Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. If I have to give my little talk a topic this morning, I'll call it, There Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens, a song for the foxes of this world. And the problem I would like to address, or at least dance with, is how to make sense of divine revelation when it doesn't seem to make sense in my actual life. And the various responses to Jesus' ministry that we find in Luke 13 bring him to illustrate and then to faithfully demonstrate with his life and death the ways in which God's work in the world is hidden and yet unstoppable. Not unlike what God reveals to Abraham. His longing is for a child and for a homeland. And he gets a torch and a burning cauldron of some kind passing between this offering. God's work often doesn't make sense in our actual experience. And we often experience it more as an absence. I found an academic essay I want to share a little bit with you about. It's called The Dignity, Beauty, and Abuse of Chickens as Symbols and as Reality by Karen Davis, PhD. It was presented to an international conference. can't believe they had this. On the chicken, its biological, social, cultural, and industrial history at Yale University in 2002. And she starts with a quote from a beloved children's story and also a movie about chickens. Goes like this. Then they all settle down in the soft green shade of the lemon tree, with each little chick taking its turn to fly up to the best and the softest seat on Granny Black's back. And while they waited for the sun to go down again, she told them about the great big world outside the chick run, or the days when she was a chick, or the story she liked telling best of all the miracle story about eggs. How the broken fragments they had hatched from were once smooth, complete shapes. And how every chicken that ever was had, had hatched out in exactly the same way. And how only chooks could lay such beauties. And how every time they did, they were so filled with joy that they could not stay quiet but had to burst into song, and how their song was taken up by England the cock, and echoed by every single hen in the run. Her summary, or abstract, what she wants to talk about in her paper goes like this. In this paper, I look at some of the ways in which chickens have figured in Western discourse through history, with a focus on the symbolic appearance of the chicken in the contemporary environment and animal advocacy movements, and in media culture reflecting primarily the mass production of chickens for food. The morality at issue is the extent to which the real nature of chickens has been accurately portrayed or distorted in the guise of symbolic chickens, and the political uses to which the symbolic chicken has been put. I raise questions concerning the extent to which the real bird is present in or absent from the symbolic bird and the implication of elaborating myths 
and images around individuals and groups for the purpose of exploiting them. I consider the chicken in part as a feminine symbol in Victorian and contemporary culture. And then she begins, the chicken is an archetype of mother and child. The chicken figures as a symbol of parental and spiritual love in the literature of the West. In Matthew 23, 37, for example, Jesus invokes the symbol of a mother hen and her chicks to express the relationship that he desires to have with the Hebrew people when he says, Ho Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. Jesus uses, she says, the hen and her sheltering wings not only as a metaphor for his desired relationship with Israel, but as a symbol of Christian love conceived in the image of a mother's love for her children. The hen symbolizes ideal maternal love and Christian love. She is self-sacrificing, nurturing, protective and comforting. The chicks, who like human youngsters, are precious though inclined to be errant, symbolize the Hebrew people as Jesus is portrayed as having viewed them with respect to his mission. Our gospel text this morning contrasts this mother hen image, this power of love image, with the love of power as represented by the Pharisees and Herod Antipas. It's the Pharisees that warn Jesus, either religious leaders who are in bed with Herod, or a group who are intrigued and actually worried about Jesus. We're not sure. Although it would seem to me that Jesus knows that his words are going to get back to Herod. And this is Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great. He's the puppet son. Jesus calls him a fox. And for our Western ears, that likely means he was sly or shrewd. But to Hebrew ears, that would be overly complimentary. The word is much more demeaning than that. The animal referred to here is more like a jackal, an opportunist, a weakling, a small fry, an insignificant person, peon, a pompous pretender. In Hebrew thought, the fox was often contrasted to the lion. And so, in fact, what Jesus might be saying is Herod thinks he's a lion, but he's actually an insignificant little jackal. And then, and then Jesus says, let him try to kill me. I still have work to do, at least for a few days. And ironically, in our human experience, this wimp, Herod, has already beheaded John the Baptist and is now focusing on Jesus. Doesn't sound too wimpy to me. But here's the greater eternal irony. Ultimately, Herod is killed and dies as an insignificant, weak fox. And ultimately, Jesus is resurrected and named the Lion of Judah, whose legacy remains. And this deeper irony, which doesn't make sense in our human frame, now appears in Jesus' words as this incredibly deep longing in his tears over Jerusalem, his tears over Israel, his tears for the world, and his tears for creation. 
And here he brings in this poignant mother hen image, this deep, deep longing. And this attitude of anticipated safety and resurrection has and continues to sustain Christians for centuries. These are tears he's crying for Jerusalem, the holy city of God. These are tears he's crying for the murders of people in prayer in New Zealand. These are tears for the tragedy in Ethiopia. These are tears for refugees around the world. Tears, tears wherever tragedy or humanity's inhumanity to humanity and to the creation occurs. And tears followed by these obviously painful words to Jesus, but you were not willing. But here we are gathered, all of us, people of faith all over the world, seeking to honor this power of love as superseding the love of power. There's a beautiful old hymn that summarizes this reality, written by a gentleman named William Cushing in the 1800s, late 1800s. An interesting man, he once gave his life savings $1,000, which would be the equivalent of thirty-five dollars to $50,000 today, to provide an education for a blind person. At 50, his spouse died unexpectedly, and he lost his voice at the same time to what he called a creeping paralysis. And he prayed earnestly for his voice to continue so that he could continue to preach the gospel, but it didn't happen. And yet his legacy remained. Instead, he felt called to write hymns, and he wrote over 300 hymns, including this one, using the image of Jesus' longing. Under his wings I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me, and I am his child. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. Under his wings, what a refuge in sorrow. How the heart yearning, heart yearningly turns to his rest. Often when earth has no balm for my healing, there I find comfort and there I am blessed. Under his wings, oh what precious enjoyment. There will I hide till life's trials are o'er. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. But this is not the experience in our text. In our text, it's all longing. And the resistance of humanity is named by Jesus. You were not willing. My form of power, collaborative power, the power of relational love, was not attractive to you. You were more motivated by the love of power. Power over seems more attractive, even to the religious leaders, a theocracy that co-ops political and religious agendas for its own purposes. And in effect, Jesus is saying, power over is only good if I have more power than you do. But if I have all of the power, what's the only loving thing to do? It is to give it away. 
and our unwillingness cost him his life, and yet he remained faithful to the power of love in the midst of a political and religious culture that chose the love of power. And this faithfulness is most reflected in the journey we are embarking on through Lent and Easter. I don't think God allowed Jesus to be crucified to make a point, or because someone had to pay for your or my sins. How do you envision a God who would sacrifice his own son to make that point? Rather, I believe that Jesus' death and resurrection reflects the conviction that ultimately the power of love will overwhelm the love of power. And like us, for Jesus, fear in life and fear of death was real, but it wasn't ultimate. And in that sense, he is a sacrifice, not as some payment for our sins, but as a real and metaphorical affirmation that ultimately the power of love overwhelms and transcends the love of power. And our gospel presents this contrast between Christ's longings and experience. Jesus saw his longings as more significant than his experience. He lived, died, and was resurrected with this longing intact and unfulfilled. And look at the consequences. Yes, religion still finds itself tempted to get into bed with power and politics. And yet, all over the world, there are faith communities that gather and reflect Jesus' desire of a hen longing to gather her chicks under his wings. And so here we are today, part of a worldwide body of chickens gathered under those wings. And so while we mourn that not all people who gather to pray are safe in this life, we hang on to the faith that the power of love will ultimately, in all of creation, overwhelm the love of power. And in the midst of this tension and irony, Jesus' words, fear not, for I am always with you, can ring true. So I want to invite us to get a little silly this morning in our seriousness. Here's an old song that tells this story with an ironic smile. I wish to read it and sing it to the jackals of this world. One night, Farmer Brown was taking the airs, locked up the barnyard with the greatest of care, and down in the hen house something stirred when he shouted, Who's there? And this is what he heard. Here but us chickens, join me. There ain't nobody here at all. So calm yourself and stop that fuss. There ain't nobody here but us. We chickens trying to sleep and you butt in and hobble, 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 hobble with your chin. There ain't nobody here but us chickens. There ain't nobody here at all. You're stomping around and shaking the ground. You're kicking up an awful dust. We chickens trying to sleep and you butt in and hobble, hobble, hobble. It's a sin. 
Tomorrow is a busy day. We got things to do. We got eggs to lay. We got ground to dig and worms to scratch. It takes a lot of setting getting chicks to hatch. Oh, there ain't nobody here but us chickens. There ain't nobody here at all. <clears throat> so quiet yourself. Stop that fuss. There ain't nobody here but us. Kindly point that gun the other way and hobble, hobble, hobble off and hit the hay. Tomorrow's a busy day. We got things to do. We got eggs to lay. We got ground to dig and worms to scratch. It takes a lot of setting getting chickens to hatch. And once again, there ain't nobody here but us chickens. There ain't nobody here at all. So quiet yourself. Stop that fuss. There ain't nobody here but us. And kindly point that gun the other way and hobble, hobble, hobble off and hit the hay. Hey, hey, boss man, what do you say? It's easy pickings. Ain't nobody here but us chickens. There will always be self-serving foxes hanging around the chicken coops. Foxes who in their self-serving immediacy are unable to even see the horizon, let alone beyond it. And Jesus' life, death, and resurrection affirm that their love of power will never overwhelm the power of love. Amen.